0: Good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Glad you're here. Uh, we're in part five of a series called I Want to Believe But. It's been a good series. Hope you're enjoying, uh, enjoying it. I've, I've, uh, I have I've love digging into learning new things that, that are challenging me, pushing me, and uh, just give you an overview. Uh, we're really talking about uh, different ideas of God, and in some cases, maybe what people believe God is, is, um, and, and people have walked away from these gods. And so there's this idea that, you know, I want to believe in God, but What about these these things in life? And so for the last five weeks we talked about on-demand God I want to believe in God, but doesn't seem like he shows up when I need him to show up He doesn't answer my prayers the way I want him to answer my prayers. So I just I walked away from that God He just he didn't do anything killjoy God Um, I want to believe in God, but he just wants to take all my fun. That was the second week. We talked about that Uh, Heartless God, you know, I want to believe in God But with all the suffering and evil in this world, I don't know if I can Reconcile the two and believe there is a good God when there's so much evil and bad that's happening all around us and then last week we talked about Goosebump God is I want to believe in God, but I just don't feel him. I need to feel him more I need to I need this experience to, to be there all the time. And there's just times I don't feel God. And what we've said from the beginning is, you know, if you walked away from one of these gods, it's actually not a bad thing. I don't believe these gods exist either. And when I talk to people, they talk about God and their idea, and like, they want to believe in God. But if you ask them, well, what about God don't you believe in or what God don't you believe in? And typically I could give the same answer of saying I don't believe in that God either. Uh, that's not the God that, that the Bible talks about and it was sometimes our misunderstanding of things people taught us. Um, but uh, these guys don't exist. And so uh, we, said the, we, said, we asked the question, what if the God that you walked away from never existed in the first place? I don't think that's a bad thing because it gives you the opp- opportunity to be able to, to connect with the God who actually does exist. And so today I'm excited to talk about our, our uh, next one. Uh, this is anti-science God. Um, and this is um, – the church has not done a very good job when it comes to science a lot of times, not all, not all churches, but for the most part, throughout history, there's just, uh, um, in fact, in the beginning, you know, some of the first scientists were actually believers in God, and they were just studying, trying to figure out how God made everything work, uh, but through the, through the, as time passed, there's a lot of pastors, churches, and just different religions have pushed against science, and um, so, so if you maybe grew up, and uh, your, your childhood faith that um, what you were taught didn't grow up with you. And so uh, what happens to anti-science God is students go to college and they have a professor that talks to them about these different theories and ideas and they sound really convincing and they give them all this these experiments and these data and, um, and at some point the students make a choice to say, you know what? That was great for me as a kid, but I just don't really I can't believe in a God that, like that. And so they walk away from God, maybe in high school, junior high, wherever, whatever it was. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you're here today, and you walked away from the faith because, you know, you can't reconcile the differences between faith and religion. And can, can they be reconciled? Or they, aren't they opposing? Um, and the reason the church hasn't done a good job with this is because um, whenever there's – we don't have an answer for something. A lot of times the, the answer for leaders is just they say this. Hey, quit thinking. Just quit thinking and start believing. Um, and when that's the answer that doesn't ever help us discover truth that doesn't ever help us dig in deeper um, And that is not the way the Bible asks us even approach life uh, God gave us the brain for a reason. We should use it. Uh, he never tells us to turn it off and to stop thinking um, Although we do need to believe and we'll talk about that at the end of the message faith does fit into this uh, But when it comes to science when it comes to God when it comes to us experience life God wants to he wants us to open our eyes and look around. He wants us to experience these things So when it seems like religion and science conflict you know, the question that you might ask if you did walk away from, from God because you don't think science and, and Christianity or science and God can, are compatible, um, maybe the question is this Isn't science in conflict with Christianity? Don't they like fight each other? Like, are they two different things? Um, doesn't science disprove God? Maybe another way you can ask it. Um, but here's the thing science, and, and here's, here's the hard part. If, if, if you have a discussion with somebody, they start talking about science, even scientists among themselves, it's not like they, it's hard to define what science exactly is. And so if you're having a discussion about something, make sure you set the foundation as what exactly are we talking about when it comes to science. Because for the most part, this is what they would generally say is science is really uh, – deals with natural causes um, and, and and not so much with supernatural causes. And when we're talking about just natural causes, it's hard to talk about supernatural causes when we're all actually talking about just natural causes. And so there's there's – Understanding of saying what exactly we're talking about when we say the word science, because that can mean a lot of different things. In fact, there's a couple of different uh, different sciences uh, that some would call empirical science and some would call it. um, um, I just lost the word forensic science. Uh, forensic is the idea like well, there's a crime. You, know, you can't necessarily replicate that, but you can gather the evidence and try to figure out what happened, what took place. Empirical is where you can take all the information that's been gathered and you can redo those experiments over and over and over to test the results. Empirical just, you 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 continue to do these tests that are easy to repeat because you have all the data there. Uh, forensic is saying we're not really sure, but this is kind of the theory. This is what we think it was. Uh, enough evidence can help us point to, to really what took place, but not all the time. A lot of times it's speculation. A lot of times it's just ideas. And so even though in science, there's two different parts. So what are we talking about here? Are we talking about origin science of, of, of what took place where no one was there around and, and, and we have these ideas? Are we talking about empirical where we can say this is exactly the process of science that took place? Are you with me so far? So when we're talking about science, we have to even de- define what we're talking about. Otherwise, the conversations go everywhere. And this is what gets really confusing when we begin to talk about science is what exactly are we talking about? And when you have somebody that's really smart and begins to tell you all these, these, uh, these phrases and these different ideas, they can sound very convincing, but what, what are they talking about and where is the evidence that, that shows all that? So when we ask the question, isn't science in conflict with Christianity? I would say no. Science is not in conflict with Christianity. Some scientists are, though. Um, so, so Christianity is not in conflict with science, but some scientists are in conflict with, with, with God and Christianity. Um, in fact, even, even the media, we have sometimes a misunderstanding of science and, and religion and how they, how they form, uh, how they go together. If you go to the next one for me. Um, and the reason is because the media always has to have two, fights, two sides that are fighting an antagonist and a protagonist, like these two extremes, because that's what sells. We want to see the battle. We want to see the, the two um, extremes of the, of the two uh, opposing ideas. Um, and we don't always see the other things that fall in the middle where, wow, well, there's really not a battle because well, that just doesn't sell. Nobody wants to read about that. that well, there's not a fight, but people have actually discovered something that helps us understand God. And the thing is, we all, and it's not just scientists, not all scientists are, but um, we're all biased. And so we all come at things from a a perspective, uh, with with our background, with our understanding. Um, This is on both sides, scientists that don't want anything to do with God, maybe the the, um, atheists, uh, scientists are atheists that don't believe in God, and then maybe some Christian scientists on the other extreme that don't want anything maybe to do um, with with so much with with parts of science that they maybe don't understand or they're afraid of. And so in some cases, we bring our biases, and they keep us from really discovering really what's there because we start that way. In fact, this is the reason a lot of people in our country for, for a long time have gone to jail for crimes they didn't commit. And many have gotten away from crimes that they did commit um, because jurors go in with – they have a bias. We all do. We go in and they hear some evidence, and it seems very convincing or in some cases it's a uh, lack of evidence so that they, they convince that really is not there. And, and jurors will convict the wrong person, um, and in some cases they'll let the, the right person go free. Um, and over and over, in fact, I heard, I heard of one, um, one baseball, semi, base, semi-pro baseball player in Oklahoma. They got convicted for killing, um, a lady that he didn't kill. And so they sent him to prison for 12 years. Well, they sentenced him to, uh, to execution. He was going to die the death penalty. And so he was in prison for 12 years. Nine of those years, he was waiting just to die. Like he was on the, on the list to, to be one of the next ones to die. Um, and then they discovered, um, through DNA, they discovered that, that there was a different person that was on the, in the crime scene that linked that person to the crime. It wasn't even him. They let him go. Well, what happened was during the, the deliberation, during the, the trial, uh, they, they discovered that there was a hair that was very similar and consistent with his hair. Um, and there was a witness who said they saw him talking to that person that day, and uh, they tracked it back. And the community was just in an uproar. Like they wanted somebody to, you know, to pay for the, the death of this young lady. Um, and so there was um, a little bit of what they thought evidence that pointed to him, but in fact, it wasn't all the evidence. It wasn't factual evidence. It was the idea of evidence. And because they let their bias play into their decision, they sentenced a man to death. Luckily, he didn't die, he was released. Um, but they sentenced him because of what they thought they had in front of him. Um, and this, what hap- this happens a lot of times, even, even today, when it comes to science, when it comes to, I would say, even a- us in everyday lives. We jump to conclusions too quick. I think it's one of the challenges that we have as Americans is we see something and we jump on it really fast, but we don't let it play out to really see what really is going to transpire from this, what's going to take place. Um, so, when I, so science, it doesn't it, – it doesn't, um, I don't think it fights against, against uh, God and against the Bible. And, and, uh, and so you can say this, well, doesn't science disprove God or the existence of God? Um, but here's the thing. If science only deals with natural causes, how can something that's, that does, deals with natural causes – uh, prove or even disprove the existence of God—that is supernatural, supra above nature. Like it, it's two different categories. You can't try to use something that's physical to prove something that's not physical. Um, and science is all about na- natu- about nature and what's natural. So even there, um, it's it's it goes both ways. It doesn't necessarily prove God or it doesn't disprove God. Science is a tool. Um, it's not not going to ever do that. It gives us evidence of God. Or in some cases, the evidence of what they think, that, that why there isn't a God, and they try to prove that. And they come from both ways. Um, in fact, um, when, when Darwin came up with the, th- the theory of evolution, which is still a theory, by the way, um, some theologians would actually say it's actually a philosophy, not even a theory, because it's really pointing to something deeper than science. Um, but when he came up with it, he had gaps in his uh, fossil record. And he said, there, there, there's missing these, these different links. And he said, but give us enough time, other scientists will show that we'll be able to fill all of those gaps up. Uh, well, 150 years later, um, not, not, not only have, do we have more fossil records, but we actually have more gaps that have opened up because of those records. And so it hasn't done what it – you because know, say, scientists say this all the time. Just give us more time. Eventually we'll be able to prove these theories that there is not a God, but it was all by chance, by accident, by natural selection, uh, by, by that. And so they just give us more time. But here's the thing. Um, We've given a lot, 150 years, and what's, what's really interesting is a lot of discoveries in this last uh, 100 years has really opened us to understand that there's so much more to the universe, to the world, than we thought possible. Um, the discovery that the, that the universe is actually expanding, pretty amazing in itself, uh, the discovery of DNA, which we're going to talk about a little bit. But here's the thing. I think as, as Christians, if people ever come and say, well, what about this? That doesn't, you, know, you can't explain that, and one day maybe science will explain it. We can have the same answer for them. You know, Something that's inexplainable today it may be explainable tomorrow. We would fight with diseases all the time. We figured this out. You know, there was, there was a hospital in, in Europe uh, that the, the mortality rate of, of the women that were giving birth was so, so big, um, they couldn't figure out why. And it was the doctor actually carrying the germ that was killing him. Um, and he discovered it and he realized, wow, I've been the one that's been killing all these women because of the germ I was carrying because they didn't understand germs. And then science opened that up and said, wow, well, germs are really important. We should pay attention to this stuff. Let's wash our hands. And, and then the, the, the death rate went down um, in, that, in that hospital because they figured it out. So science, is, over time, it explains things. It helps us discover things. I think that's great. We should never stop looking for answers to things. We shouldn't stop thinking. Um, but here's the thing. When it comes to, to Christianity, um, Christians have historically believed that God created it all. Um, and um, he started. And it, began, it Says he created. It took six days of creating, is, is how creation story goes. And on the seventh day, it says he rested. He stopped creating. And so we believe that God created, put something in order, and then he stepped back and he stopped creating. Like he's not creating today. He's he's backed off and just letting letting the course that what he put in motion go forward. And here's the thing: if God really did do that, um, we would we would be able to say that there should be a predictable, stable, and explainable universe if some, an intelligent designer created it, that we should have predictable, sustainable, um, stable, and explainable universe. And in fact, the very reason we could even do science um, shows that there is a predictable, stable, and explainable universe. Uh, there's regularities. There's, um, there's cause and effect. Because he started something, he backed off. Um, there, there's laws that govern science, that govern the way we see the world, which means there has to be a law giver. But on the other end, you have atheists who will say, no, that's not it. We'll give us enough time. We'll prove that there is no God. It just happened by accident. It just came up. Um, So when it comes to to Christianity and science or God and science, I would say it's not God or science. That's a false alternative. Um, I think it's God and science. And as Christians, if you're not a Christian here, hopefully by the end of this message that you will, maybe if you walked away, you'll consider coming back and opening your life to God again. Hopefully I'll tell some stories that will uh, compel you and encourage you to, maybe, maybe, maybe you walked away from something that you didn't really understand you are walking away from. Or at the time, you thought you had all the, the, the information in front of you, but maybe you missed something along the way. Um, but it's not God or science. I believe it's God and science. And as Christians, if you are Christians, we don't have to be afraid of science. If God created everything, science will eventually show us that that is exactly what happened. And we don't have to be afraid of that. Um, Now, there are scientists who have a bias, and we're going to read this in a second. Uh, This is going to be a quote from Richard Lewontin, who is an evolutionary biologist. He's going to give us the philosophy in his writing, really show us the philosophy of Darwinism. And this is what he says in uh, the New York Review of Books. He said, as as a a Darwinist, he's, he's talking from that perspective, our willingness to accept scientific claims that are against Common sense is the key to an understanding of the real struggle between science and the supernatural. Seeing there's a struggle between the science and the supernatural, we take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failure to fulfill many of its uh, extravagant promises of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the science community for unsubstantiated just-so stories, because we have a prior commitment a commitment to materialism. It is now that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world, but on the contrary, that we are forced by, our, by a prior adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and in a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute, for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. So he's saying we have a prior commitment that we cannot let God get his foot in the door because if we show anything that's showing there is an intelligent designer, then he gets in, then it really takes away our whole philosophy and our argument, is what he's saying in his review of this book. This is this is the philosophy of atheism and, and many many um, evolutionists, um, uh, Darwin, uh, Darwinists who, who believe that there is no God. It was by... Natural selection it was by chance that everything happened um, richard lewinton he 's a, he's a professor of bi- biology at harvard um, here 's the thing one of the things that darwin didn 't have that 's pretty amazing darwin didn 't have DNA, and DNA has been one of the biggest game changers uh, for for the scientific community uh, because before we had really understood DNA, it was hard to explain a lot of things. but once we had DNA, it began to, to point to more than really we understood as what, what humans are and what we are and, and, and how, how how a creator would create these things. Um, in fact, in DNA, in, in, in there, there's a code inside of us, or maybe, maybe a better word would be language, in our blood that actually explains who we are, each individual, each one of us as an individual. And it's, if we were to spread it out, it would be so long, and it would fill so many volumes of books to try to explain just who you are as a person because of the language in your DNA that explains you. It's, it's amazing. It's massive. It's, in fact, there's, there's one one man... Um, Anthony Flew, for 50 years, um, he was one of the most um, prolific atheists who would debate other pastors in, in colleges with students about why atheism, why atheism, why atheism was real and religion and Christianity was not. And for 50 years, one of the well, most well-known atheists of the 20th century. Um, in 2004, he changed his stance, and he says, "I no longer can. I don't have, there's too much evidence that's pushing me in that direction of atheism that I now believe." There is a creator. There is a God. And this is what he says about DNA. He says, what I think the DNA material has done is that it has shown by the most unbelievable complexity of, the, of arrangements which are needed to produce life that intelligence must have been involved in getting these extraordinarily diverse elements to work together. He went on to write a book called There Is a God, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind. And how did the, the scientific community and other atheists respond? With disdain. I don't know if they he, – he claims that none of them even read his, his book that he wrote to talk about why he changed his mind. But just imagine this guy for 50 years. His side was there is no God. All these things, evolution, all these things are right. You as Christians are wrong or you as people believe. He didn't become a Christian. He just believed that there is the creator. There was, there was somebody who started all this because – just because of DNA. That was the big turner for him. He realized the complexity of DNA. Uh, a man who debated pastors changed his mind uh, what's 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 amazing is DNA is a, is a language that God puts inside of us inside of our blood. Um, we, as, in English, we have a twenty-six letter alphabet. Well, DNA has a four-letter chemical alphabet that, if you were to write it out just like we would sentences, it would explain you and would explain me. Uh, they say if we took all of the volumes of all of all the writings that we ever had and and transcribed them, all right. Um, that would be a tenth of like what we would what would fit in, 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 in the, the language of our DNA, like it's it's massive, and in, and then that language fits in, in, in such a small little um, cell um, that that you, you wouldn't be able to see with it with the with the human eye. It's so small, but yet there's so much language in that. It's it's pretty amazing. It's, it's how how DNA works. Um, and w- what about what about miracles? Um, you know, aren't those contrary to science? How, how do those fit together? Uh, well, that'd, be, that'd be a whole nother talk and I think it would take even more time um, I, I believe in miracles. I believe that god is a miraculous god But here's the thing I would say uh, genesis 1 1 it says this that in the beginning god Created the heavens and the earth uh, If that statement is not true and atheists are correct and it, it's all by chance and it's all by accident um, And if that statement is not true, then really nothing matters uh, What you believe doesn't matter arguments don't matter um, The conversations we have don't matter the choices you make don't matter But if that statement is true, and I believe it is, then any miracle that has ever happened in the Bible pales in comparison to the fact that God created something out of nothing. Like he started it all. Like there was no mountains and he spoke and he said, let there be light and he separated the light. And then each day he created these things. Then he created you and me, which is amazing in itself. And he gave us this brain to be able to even process and think and listen to these ideas and think of these ideas and be able to make decisions for ourselves. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so if, if this statement is true, then everything else in the Bible, it's really easy to accept um, that, there, that God can do the miraculous, that he can do amazing things in our world if he started something from nothing, if he created you. He can do even more and even greater things. Um, and here I would say this. When it comes to miracles, um, you are a miracle. You are a miracle. Um, if anybody ever tells you you're not a miracle, um, I'm going to just point you back to when it all began, all right? Um, the reproduction. Uh, this would be the moment where your father and your mother had a moment of passion, all right? And during ovulation, um, your father sent his little soldiers, and just to make sure, I'll try to keep this family family friendly, all right? <laughs> just to make sure that one of his soldiers made it to your mother's egg, oh, by the way, who, who, who releases the chemical that's a, an attractant, all right to let the, the soldiers know where to go, pretty amazing in itself. Um, just to make sure he, he one of them got there, he he sent the whole population of the United States, three hundred million of you. All right. So, and then the race was on. Like you guys were swimming for that egg. And the very fact that you're here and not one of your other potential brothers or sisters means that you're a pretty fast swimmer. All right. Like you beat three hundred million other potential brothers and sisters, to become who you are. That is amazing. So if you ever feel like you need to compare yourself to each other, just look back to that, that moment and think, I already beat 300, 300 million people like other ones. Like, What do I need to prove to anybody else? It's, I'm here, guys. I am here. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but there was, a, there was a race, and uh, the good news is you won, all right, um, which is pretty amazing in itself. But but here's what they say about that: Um, If (laughs) you are special, and um, if if you were at that moment, if you were the size of a salmon, you'd be swimming 500 miles an hour. It's pretty fast. Uh, Phelps won a lot of gold medals, but he cannot swim that fast. If you were the size of a tire, you'd be you'd be moving 15,000 miles a minute, or uh, miles per hour. If you were the size of you are now, you'd be moving 34,000 miles per hour. Uh, they said that, so the speed, that would be like you going two, um, um, what is it, what is it? it that would be you going 15 miles in two seconds. So, one, two. I, I'm past my house, I'm already, I'm way to Albuquerque. In those two seconds, okay? That's how fast you were moving. So you, you're, you're fast, alright? You were fast. What's pretty amazing is in that, in that, you know, that little soldier that was taking off and going, he was going so fast, moving so fast, um, that, that you beat him, you won. Uh, but in that in that little cell, um, which is two, 20 to thirty times smaller than a grain of salt it 's tiny, um, carried half of the genetic code that you are that you 're made up of, and when it met the egg, it c- connected with the other half of the genetic code that you 're made up with and these two came together and began to tell um, the, the, the the cells what to do and begin to arrange themselves and, and and do something pretty amazing and that that in itself is just that's pretty amazing, right? The, the point of conception, how that works, that, that's, that's, that's awesome. And then the real work begins of how the body begins to develop and move. And so I, I hear pictures are, are better than a thousand words. And so why don't we take a look at uh, your moment of conception, all right? I love it. So these are photos by Lenart Nielsen. One of your dad's soldiers finding your mom's egg. One of your soldiers carrying the DNA and the the information. (laughs) This is 22 days. The gray area is the child's brain. The red area is the child's heart. Forming, 28 days, really starts to look interesting, at 8 weeks, I mean at 5 weeks, this is the face beginning to develop, 40 days, you're growing pretty quick, 8 weeks, check out those uh, that's, um, eyelids are beginning to form, at 10 weeks, look at the fetus's hands, 16 weeks 16 weeks You're only 16 weeks at this point Veins begin to be visible 18 weeks The child begins to understand The outside environment Begins to recognize That there's something else 19 weeks This is pretty awesome 20 weeks The baby starts developing hair Check out your mustache Right Pretty amazing you awesome. 24 weeks. Six months. And then one month before you were born. And Psalm 139 says this. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Psalm 119 says, Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Dr. James Tour, who specializes in nanotechnology, a professor at Rice University, the Department of Chemistry and Nanoscience and Nanoengineering, uh, he said this. He said, I build molecules in in a talk he gave. I build molecules for a living. I can't begin to tell you how difficult that job is. I stand in awe of God because of what he has done through his creation. Only a rookie who knows nothing about science would say science takes away from faith. If you really study science, it will bring you closer to God. In 1953, some scientists did an experiment to try to prove that evolution was correct, the theory of evolution was correct and why it was correct. So they, they, they created an atmosphere, created an environment with experiment where they got the atmosphere with some gas and some, some heat and some electricity, and uh, they were able to produce amino acids. It's pretty amazing in itself. It's a, it's a great experiment. And they said this proves the whole theory of, of Darwin and Darwinism and why it exists. Um, and, I, and I heard of a, a man who walked away from the faith because in his college, his professor stood up and talked about how I, God doesn't exist, why Christianity is false, and told about this experiment that was done. Um, and he said, here, this proves, an experiment that proves evolution is true. Because these scientists were able to recreate life and create amino acids out of these gases and, and, and heat and all the stuff they did. But in 1980, NASA discovered that the earth that they thought they were trying to recreate the atmosphere was actually way different than what they actually put as the, the, the kinds of gases that were in there. So scientists were smart enough to know that if they were to put other gases and not these ones, life would never be able to form from that. And, and and technology and science proved that their experiment actually wasn't that all that conclusive. In fact, if they were to recreate that with the gases that they really think were... Back in the, in the time they were trying to experiment, it was way different. Um, in fact, they said it's, it's almost like the, stack, the, the cards were stacked in favor of them to form these amino acids. It's not a bad thing. That's pretty cool. They could create that, and they figure out how to do that. That's a great thing. But they try to use it to explain something that's just a theory. And in some cases, some theologians say it's actually, it's actually just a philosophy because uh, it still hasn't been proven. And it's more of a, an idea that carries um, that there is no God and fighting that. But here's what the the writer said. He said, I walked away from God because a professor told me there is no God and here's why I can prove it to you. He said, how many more of my generation, generations before me, walked away from God because a professor stood up and said, here's an experiment that proves God doesn't exist. He said, okay, that's enough for me. I'm out. And he said, "In the whole time, if we were just given science a little more time to show us, that actually wasn't the whole truth. And that wasn't all the evidence. And I would say today, if you walked away because you had a professor or teacher that said, here's the proof why God doesn't exist, and they, they made a compelling case, maybe you walked away too soon. Because I think the more we learn about science, the more we learn about creation, the more we learn about things, it only points to a creator. It only points to an intelligent designer. The code, or I, I think language is probably a better term, because code means it's like secret and hidden, and you, you, you try to find it. The language of DNA that God put in you that writes out, like, like, who told the cells they should be heart cells? And how do the cells know to be brain cells? The code, the language God wrote out, said, do all of these things to create this person. It's a language of God put inside of us that writes out and says, this is exactly how I created Eric to be. And then, for that, that whole process, began the building, building everything in me to create who I am today. It's pretty amazing. And a language doesn't point to accident. It points to somebody who created the language. Design always points to a designer. I wouldn't look at my phone and conclude because, you know, all the right, you know, a a tornado came and it it just created all this this craziness. And all of a sudden a a phone formed. It's in front of me. Even if it was over millions of years, we would never gather that chaos would create something of such design. And yet we have something so much greater than a telephone. Every single day, you walk, you think, you look, you hear, you taste, you talk. I would say you don't have to look very far to see that there is a God. And, and we don't have to be afraid of science. I think science is our friend. I think science, like some of the early scientists said, we do science to see how God did it in the first place. That should be our heart. Let's just let's just give it enough time. And when something does pop up that starts scaring us, like, oh man, maybe this is going to shake, just give it time. Just give it time. Be okay. 30% of scientists admit admitted to um, fudging their numbers to be able to give the results they wanted because some company paid them to get the results they needed. Um, sometimes that happens. The evidence misleads. The things that we actually think we see aren't always the truth. And by bias, by like some of these um, Darwinists would say, we can't let God get a foot in the door. And so their whole perspective is how can we keep God out because we don't want him here. So if you walked away from God because maybe you thought science and God were incompatible, I would say science only proves how amazing God is. And the more you learn, the more you see, the more you w- w- will understand that God is great. Here's my challenge for this week. Would you discover wonder? When you look in the mirror, whatever you told yourself for so long, you need to change that. You begin to say, wow, like, you're special. God made you for a specific reason. You're not an accident. Like, the language he wrote to create you is amazing. You have your own language in your DNA that explains you. You're not an accident. Discover wonder. Celebrate life. Celebrate the fact that you beat 300 million other potential brothers and sisters to get here. Man, you're fast. You're awesome. It's incredible. But we forget those things. We forget... How amazing God created all this stuff. And then give credit. Um, give credit. In Romans 1.20, Paul tells us, says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. As Paul says, just look around. Because of creation, that's enough proof to say there's a creator. To see the complexities of how He created the universe is enough to say, "Wow, there's somebody started this all." This is what Paul says, two thousand years ago. He's saying, around two thousand years ago, he's saying, We're, "None of us, none of us have an excuse to say there is no God. I don't see it. There's no evidence because it's all around us. You just have to look in the mirror. It's right there." Isaiah, Old Testament prophet, he says like this: "Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these?" And God is speaking through Isaiah. He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understood that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Here's the faith element, all right? There's going to be things on earth and in our life that we might not ever explain. And in that, God is saying, well, you just trust me. Because science can't prove everything. And we don't need science to prove everything all the time either. Sometimes it's just the the, the idea that you can see it, you can experience it, you can feel it, you can taste it. It's there. God is an experiential God. He wants you to experience him. Yes, he wants you to learn more about him. But he wants you to experience him. He's a relational God. He doesn't want to just be some paper that you write about all the technicalities of how he did everything. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be somebody that interacts with you. That's what the story of the Bible is about, that we would know him. It's not just that we would know about him. It's that we would know him. And that takes faith. And some of you today, maybe you've had a lot of questions. You say, I want to believe, but maybe science has been the big thing for you. I would say, hey, if you walked away I mean, I, I can recommend some, recommend some great resources. I, I learned a ton. I began to read and realized there are so much resources out there. There's some, some brilliant people. And I think a lot of people have been hanging on to old ideas that have been disproven and that no longer are consistent. And the evidence all was not there to be able to give a good case, like evolution. Now, there are Christians who believe in microevolution, which is different from macroevolution. It's, it's pretty amazing to just learn the two, those, those two ideas. How God creates things is amazing. And today he's inviting us to know him. And the writer of Hebrews says by faith, if there's a faith element all the time when it comes to God. He's not going to give us everything because he wants us to trust him. Trusting somebody or something, it takes faith. Some atheists, they have more faith than I do because they believe in some, some crazy ideas that are harder to believe than a God who created the world. I don't have enough faith to believe what they believe, but I have enough faith to believe that God created it all. Would you do me a favor? Close your eyes and bow your head today. If you're here today and you walked away from God or your life is maybe chaotic, can I tell you, God, he created order. He helps order our lives. He helps bring stability. If you need God to come in your life and do that, I would invite you just to start this journey the Bible says because of sin, we create chaos, we create destruction, we create bad results in our life. But if we come to God and we confess those sins, if we ask him for help, he'll show up and he'll come and he'll help us on this journey. See, it's not a science problem. It's a sin problem that God is trying to solve. He wants us to choose him. And today he's inviting you. He's saying, would you choose me? Here he chose you. He's waiting for you to choose him if you're here today and you'd like to take a step of faith towards him and say, God, I need you in my life. I want to give my life to you today. Would you do me a favor and would you raise your hand? Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands. Anybody else here? Take a step of faith saying, God, I I want to trust in you. I want to believe you. You have plans for my life. I'm gonna lead you to prayer right there in your seat just a simple prayer of saying god I want relationship with you forgive me of my sin So the bible says that if we we confess with our mouth And we believe in our heart that jesus raised him from the dead that we will be saved And today we're going to confess our sins we're going to say god we need your help forgive us of our Of our errors our mistakes Choosing the opposite of you So if you raise your hand would you pray this prayer with me and if you're a christ follower Would you join us in praying with them? But just today, would you say this prayer? We say, Dear God, I need you in my life. Please forgive me of my sin, of my errors, of my poor choices. I need your help. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me. I believe he's alive today. God, I invite you into my life. Would you be my God? Would you help me on this journey? Lead me. I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.